It's the Euro Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Well, it wasn't meant to be in the end, but what a month of football. A nation dreamed and football nearly came home. To look back on the final and the tournament as a whole, though, hoping this is more a therapy session than agony torment of reliving it. We have the Chronicle's Newcastle United writer, Sean McCormick, and the Mirror's Ned Keating. Uh, Sean, I'll come to you first. We were briefly having a chat before we started recording, and uh, I'd... I personally still can't work out my emotions. I know I feel low, but there is pride somewhere within there. It is. Like we were seeing off air there. It, the pride slowly, slowly seep, seeping in, but oh, it stings still this morning, doesn't it? It was so close. I, I, I tweeted this morning, so Bobby Robson said after Italian 90, they were a whisker away, and it, it really was. I think when Jordan Pickford saves the fifth penalty from Jorginho, the man who always scores, as Guy Mowbray put it in the commentary, Mr. 100% from the penalty spot, you're thinking... Here we go, this is it, but it, it stings, it stings. But what a month, and you know, that, that goes to Gareth Southgate and the players again. Credit, credit, credit to them where it's due. It's been another brilliant summer. They've given us a brilliant summer in 2018. They've given us another brilliant summer in 2021. And I think the biggest testament to them, regardless of any gripes you have from team selection or the way they set up last night, was this doesn't feel like the end. This feels like very much the beginning for this group, a, a group of very talented young players that in 18 months' time in Qatar, they can go again and Listen, you know, it was the first final in 55 years. That it, I'm, I'm trying not to be one of those people who, who reflects and thinks it might not ever happen again. It was a massive chance last night, but let's let's stay positive. This group, this group will come again. They'll be contenders again, and let's just hope that's the start. And it's something to build from. I think that you can take solace from the fact that France lost the Euro 2016 final and went on to win the next World Cup. So that, that's what that's the positive vibe I'm clinging to this morning. And I hope the rest of the nation kind of feel the same. It stings, it hurts, but you know, this team will come again and I'm, I'm very confident about England's future. Yeah, Ned, what's your feelings? Uh, for me, I, I sort of immediately kind of was trying to put it into context this morning, thinking back to the last Euros. That was embarrassment after losing to Iceland. Croatia, it was a case of we dreamed and, and maybe actually the squad wasn't quite good enough. But I feel this squad had the ability to get themselves over the line and, and that actually kind of, in a way, makes it feel worse. Yeah, I don't, it, it, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like, kind of, you know, as everyone said, you know, we're obviously rightly proud of what the squad's done, what they've done over the last month, how they've kind of given us, you know, they they made us all dare to dream, you know, like kind of we've grown up, uh, especially with England squads, like, you know, never getting to semi-finals. We're now, you know, you've got kids now who you're going to have to tell, look, it doesn't get as good as this, you know, back-to-back semi-finals at major tournaments never exists like that. Um so on the one hand, you want to be, you know, like this is, you know, in my living memory, the best tournament that England have ever had because, you know, if I'm born in 1993, I never got to see Italian 90. I don't remember Euro 96. I get to the World Cup semi-finals last time was brilliant to go one step further. This time was was great too. But there's always that feeling of almost like a sense of frustration as well that you're that close. You know, as, as Sean said about, you know, Bobby Robson saying that they were a whisker away in Italian 90. And they were so close again last night. Mason Mount flicks that in. If that's not Mason Mount there in the first half, and that's Harry Kane instead, you know, England go two up and, and who knows where that final goes from there. There's little moments, there's little bits, um, you know, that, that, that kind of could change the course of history. And it, it's just that feeling of, of what if, and if England maybe had been a bit more gung-ho earlier in the second half, you know, kind of, it maybe if if the, if the tactics were different 
earlier in the first half as well. I know Trippier obviously provided the ball for sure to come in in those positions that they were in. And I'm sure we'll come on to that a bit more later. But obviously the positions that they both occupied in that goal in in uh, inside the opening two minutes wouldn't have occurred if they were playing as more natural fullbacks. And obviously they had that involvement. But you just wonder, you know, kind of if England, knowing that Italy were always going to be tough to break down, if they had been that little bit more attacking, whether or not we'd be sat here this morning, um, you know, all nursing very bad hangovers and then in a bit more of a jubilant mood though. Yeah, and the hangovers don't go easy when you're when you're moping. But, um, talking sort of, let, let's get into all summer long. We've been saying this England side are different; they approach things differently. But Sean, the, the common denominator to all England sides through the years is is penalty heartache. Um, after Harry Maguire's penalty, and what a penalty that was, by the way. The first two dispatched. I thought, here we go. Pickford had made the save early on in the shootout. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we, we, we can't score any of the last three. And of course, Southgate did make the changes, bringing on Sancho and Rashford. What's your stance on that? For me, it was a gamble. It didn't pay off. But instead of Jordan Henderson and Carl Walker, we did have two sort of natural forwards on the pitch to take penalties. Well, that's it. And, I, you know, in hindsight, it's always going to be, a, you know, could should they have done it? It was a it was a gamble. It, it always is a gamble when you make a change of penalties. I think you, you add extra pressure to the people you're bringing on. But let's face it, I mean, particularly in the case of Marcus Rashford, he's come up big from the penalty spot in some massive moments in the past. I mean, the obvious one that sticks out in your mind is the PSG penalty in the Champions League a couple of years ago in the Parc de France. I mean, he dispatched that with ease. And to be fair to Rashford, I think he's getting criticism for the run up and, and and what have you, but. He sat on a rumour down, he sent him the wrong way and you know it's, yeah. it's a matter of inches. He's hit the post. It's it's unlucky. It really is unlucky. I think he's he's done everything right, but you know, he just slightly dragged it, slightly dragged it. But I mean the, the Saka and Sancho penalties, they you know, they, they had the the air of wanting to hit make sure you hit the target, just do not miss. And you know, there wasn't really much conviction in it. It's it's two young players who Clearly, in, in training, have, have, have dispatched penalties of easing. You know, Gareth Southgate said it. You know, these were the, these are the five best penalty takers on the pitch at the time. Um, but when when it's come down, I think it's just that lack of experience. It was heartbreaking watching the pair of them. You know, two brilliant young players who you know Saka particularly had a great tournament. Sancho was fantastic in the quarter final. Got massive futures ahead of them, and just you just hope that you know this doesn't this doesn't affect them too much. I think they've both got the mentality where it won't do. But it was, it was heartbreaking. Really, was heartbreaking seeing Pukaya Saka Saka and Tears at the end there. And I think when, I, when I'm reflecting on it this morning, you know, and doing it as you do after the England games, you're watching all the videos back. I think one of the most heartwarming things was, you know, seeing the way that you know Calvin Phillips straight away ran from ran from the from the halfway there in the console. But Pukaya Saka, you know, he wasn't the only one. There was three or four in there straight away, and you know, all the players and, and, and Gareth Southgate have spoken about the positive impact he's had in the squad in terms of his personality, his mentality, and you know, I just I just hope it doesn't doesn't really bad the effect. I mean, to see the racist abuse that he's got is just shocking. It's not it's unsurprising, unfortunately, but really is terrible. A nineteen year old lad who who took on the you know the pressure and the responsibility of a nation trying to win their first tournament in fifty five years doesn't deserve that. You know, he, that's a, that's a big bottle, and you know it, it needs commending and he needs the arm around his shoulder from the nation this morning to know you know how how good he how good he's been, how appreciated he is from from the majority of us and. Brilliant tournament, just unfortunately, it's, it's, it's ended by that. Yeah, I, uh, Ned, I, I thought and I hoped that in, in 2021 we were sort of past the point of if England went out in a major tournament, we needed a scapegoat. I mean, it, they, they've missed from the penalty spot. As Sean said, the, the racial abuse online is absolutely abhorrent. And I, I don't know why this has to happen every single time. But the, these, these are players who, who have 
as you said before, allowed us to dare to dream this summer. We should be applauding them, not condemning them. No, absolutely. And it's, it is, you know, we are rightly condemning the disgust and abuse online. And the worst thing is, I think, when you see um, the majority of it is from faceless accounts, um, you know, so cowards, essentially, guys that don't want to put their face to these absolutely disgusting comments, guys that aren't brave enough, you know, that if they did for whatever disgusting, unthinkable reason, believe this and wanted to send it, they don't even have the bottle to stand up and put their own face to it. You know, that's that's the cowardly uh, group of people we're talking about here. Um, and quite frankly, I'd love to know what they, what, what sense of gratification they get out of it. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. You know, it's, it's just yeah. shocking. Um, and it's shocking that it even exists in 2021 when we're supposed to be, you know, living in an equal society and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. You know, the, it's unfortunate that there was always going to be some sort of scapegoat. You know, you kind of you're looking yesterday and you're looking around and kind of you knew that it was going to be that way and you didn't want it to be the player from your club, if that makes sense. Like you just know that unfortunately that's the way that that it goes. That you know, England losing a major tournament, a player is going to be made out to be the villain, um, no matter what way it happens. You know, you kind of if it's a red card for Beckham in 1998, if it's Joe Hart's error against Iceland in 2016. Those those are the two that kind of stand out for me, I think, of, of more recent memories. Um, yeah, it's, you know, we should we should be sat here celebrating this England team, you know, that, that they've done something that no other team has done in 55 years, that this so-called golden generation that we had in the early noughties of Gerrard, of Lampard, of Cole, of Neville, you know, Terry, Ferdinand, Campbell as well, to an extent in that. Uh, Beckham, they never done this. They never even got past the quarterfinal, um, you know, we, we should be sat here celebrating these guys and instead, unfortunately, we're talking about, you know, something disgusting, something that, that has no place in, in society in general. Um, and and it's just, um, you know, it, I can't even find the words to kind of try and sum it up. It's just that horrific. Um, and like I said it, it, before, it's just, you know, cowardly and it's done by cowards, guys, that, that you know, I, I just honest, I, I I can't even find words to try and describe these these people and, and what they must be thinking when they when they hit send on it because it, it it's just unthinkable. Um, you know, yeah, I'm just lost for words on it. Sorry. No, no, I I mean those actions are poor as well. And, and before we talk about the game, I mean just in terms of having waited 55 years to reach a final, I just hope it's not another 55 years, or I'll be well into my 80s. I think by the time that that one rolls round. But it, it, looking at sort of uh, the behaviour of those online, I suppose, in terms of stupidity, Sean, was matched by some of those at Wembley yesterday, breaking their way into the stadium to try and be there. Now, of course, it's the ultimate carrot after we've all been locked up and away from football grounds for as long as we have to have a major tournament final that England finally get to on home soil. I get the temptation, but these guys are absolutely idiotic to break in, especially when in nine years' time, England were hoping to part stage the World Cup. There's no chance of that now, is there? Yeah, well, I think any chance of that uh, gone after the scenes yesterday. It was it, it was tough to watch. I mean, you know, I, I, was out, I was out last night in Newcastle with my friends watching the game, so I didn't really see much of it last night, but this morning catching up with it, it was some of the images are oh, just brutal. Like, there's, there's fans there, with, 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 you know, adults with parents with kids who are crying. There's 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 fans there who have paid an un, unholy amount of money potentially for tickets who have got their seat and you know there's, there's people in them and the carnage on Wembley Way. You see the state of Wembley Way after the game last night. You know anyone who's been to Wembley, it's that walk is is something you remember forever. It's 
you know, it, it, it's beautiful. You, you, you can see the Wembley Arch, you, you, you're walking down there and to see the state of that is it's just abhorrent. And it's it's brutal, you know, we all want, of course, everyone who's into football, who, who love England, wanted to be there last night. You know, talking from my own personal experience, I, w- I was constantly refreshing the UEFA ticket portal, trying to see if there's any tickets available. I think I wasn't the only one doing that over the weekend, but at the point where you don't have a ticket, there's no need to go and there's there's, there's no need to, to, to cause scenes like we saw last night, you know, the crushing. We don't need to go over the history of, our, of the English game and, and, you know, incidents that have happened in the stadiums that look very similar to that. You know, we all know the history there. We all should know better than, than to do to do what, what those guys were doing yesterday. And you don't want to go as far as to say, you know, it makes you feel ashamed of the country because of the torment we've had, the, you know, the scenes we've had at Wembley throughout the six games we've had there. The, the teams made us so proud. It's a vibrant young England team who are diverse, who stand up for the for the, for the right things. You know, they're the, the, the morally kind of the, the guys you want to get behind. There's so much to celebrate this summer and to, to see, you know, the, the actions of a minority online, you know, the racist abuse and, you know, anyone who's doubting why England the players took the knee, by the way, you know, that's exactly why. Um, and, and the scenes outside the stadium is just brutal and it's, it's tough to watch, it's tough to take because, as I say, there should be a lot we should be celebrating right now this morning. It's been a brilliant month, another summer that, you know, we've been with friends, with family, we've had great times watching them. It hasn't always been this way. We should be enjoying this, embracing this and instead we're sat here 30 minutes into a post-final podcast talking about the behaviour of idiots and it's, it's unacceptable. Let's talk about the action then. Let's get away from that and, and let's talk about the football. And Ned, two minutes in, we were all dreaming. We were all picturing Harry Kane lifting the trophy, Luke Shaw having come forward and half volley. What a goal it was as well. What a start. Wembley erupting and we were there thinking this could well be happening. And, and all sort of, I suppose, coming around from Gareth Southgate, switching back again to that back three. As you say, maybe later on in the game, we'll get to it. Didn't work for England, but it was a proactive, lively start as it has been throughout the knockout stages and for me people I was watching it with were saying we've scored too early again it's Croatia all over again and I said well no we've done this throughout the knockouts we come out lively at the start of games we will have a plan unfortunately didn't play out yeah no I think I was I was more like your mates there and kind of worried um you know 90 odd minutes then to kind of try and defend the 1-0 lead and you knew that that was probably how Southgate was going to play it that he wasn't going to try and go for the second almost that he was always going to be one will be enough and, and let's kind of hold it out from here. Um, but yeah, as we touched on earlier, obviously the two wing-backs um, doing what you want wing-backs to do, getting into attacking positions nice and early on. Um, great cross from Trippier, great finish um, from Luke Shaw, great scenes as well uh, to, to see. But I mean, it was almost like a weird one because you're kind of like looking around and then you kind of go, it was like the first real attack for either side in the game and you kind of, you know, Euros finals never have goals that early. That is the earliest goal that, that has ever been scored in the Euros final. Um, and you're kind of looking around going, is, is this real? Have, I actually, have we actually taken the league? Like, have we see it? Because you're not, you're kind of used to finals being cagey affairs. You're not used to, to going ahead after, you know, less than 120 seconds. Um, it's just a shame that, that there wasn't, you know, I mean, even after that, there wasn't a chance to kind of really add to it apart from that mount chance. I don't think there was anything else much that England kind of really um, created to try and to try and double um, that lead to try and to try and kind of firm it up a bit more. And as the match went on, um, and yeah, it's just a shame, isn't it? You know, such a great start that you can't really, you know, kind of capitalise it. And almost like kind of put your 
your foot on Italy's neck almost. I mean, that's probably not the best uh, analogy to use after some of the scenes yesterday, but, um, but you know, kind of really trying to you know, take hold of the match and really take it away from the Italians. And it's just, you know, when you start so well and you have that goal inside inside the first two minutes, that it, you kind of just go, oh, you know, we, we had it and we had a chance to really take the game by the scruff of the neck and just let it go, unfortunately, in the end. Yeah, I was I was dreaming even up to, to half time. Albeit <laughs> Italy came on really strong even towards the end of the first half, I thought, Sean. And for me, the, the moment the match changed was when Roberto Mancini made the double change and brought off Chiro Immobile. He sent Lorenzo Insigne through the middle, but much like Harry Kane, he, he didn't occupy the three centre backs. And all of a sudden, we had three defenders on the pitch and were completely overloaded as we already were in the centre of midfield. And Declan Rice, who was magnificent on the day, and Calvin Phillips couldn't get anywhere near it. And when when they did, had no way of getting out. Well, that was it. In, in, in the first half, obviously, we scored incredibly early. It, it felt like the first 20 minutes, particularly, England was so on top. They were riding the wave and the momentum of that goal. And in hindsight, you look back on it now, and it, it, you feel as if England, if England got a goal in the, in the first 25 minutes, half an hour last night, it probably would have been game over. And it could have been a, 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 not only a memorable win, but a, a big win. Because it, it felt like England was so on top at the time. Towards the end of the first half, it obviously grew into it a bit. And it, you, you mentioned Rice and Phillips there. I think particularly the, 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 the first half an hour, they the dominated the midfield battle. And it, it was a substitution for Mancini. You know, the, the, the three attackers um, in the second half as you say, we're overloading our defenders, and you know when you've got people with the the pace and the the, the skill and the, you know the, the the direct running of Insigne and Chiesa, who was brilliant again. He's been absolutely fantastic in this tournament. What I mean, what a player he is! That the the pace and the power he dribbles with is frightening, and came close a couple of times. Um, sorry, that, that just beat me. Sorry, um, don't know what that was, but yeah, but uh, it, it was it was tough. It was tough, and. I feel like, you know, Mancini reacted first and reacted quicker and reacted more decisively. And by the time Southgate changed it, you were going, going from the 3-4-3 to the kind of the 4-3-3 the, the with Saka coming off the trip. Yeah, it felt like it was too late. It felt like Italy had asserted control then, asserted a bit of dominance. And with this Italian team, you know they're going to come. You know that, you know, one goal is never enough. They're never going to give up. They've got the attacking talent to hurt you. They've got the defensive stability to see it out. And... You know, in, in the end, that's, that's that's cost us. England needed to score a second goal in that, in that first half now to really assert their authority. And you knew it, they were going to come. You knew it was going to be a spell with you under pressure. And it felt like they weathered that first half an hour. And then without necessarily dominating the game, were never really out of control. They always felt as if, it always felt as if Italy kind of looked comfortable, looked a little confident in what they were doing. And if there's one criticism, and again, you don't want to have too many grapes because of the summer we've had and some of the decisions that he's made that everyone says agree with and they've turned out to be master strokes. But it felt like England didn't react quick enough, Southgate didn't react quick enough. And, you know, Jack Reeves came on and it, it maybe he could have came on a bit earlier, you know, try and try and you know, exploit, the, exploit the back line. And, oh, <laughs> well, I think, well, I think we'll be dissecting this for a long, long time. But, yeah, it, it, I felt like Italy after that first half now, weathered the storm and really, you know, more comfortable and in the end I felt like a draw was the right result but you, you couldn't argue with Italy coming away if the win in the end Yeah if, if, if Euro 96 is anything to go by we'll be dissecting this till 2046 so <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to we're going to have plenty of time to mull over it and look over it I think but uh, Ned just sort of in terms of all of that and the, for me one of the big things in this tournament which we don't know if it's going to stay in the game or if after 
football really gets back to full normality after the pandemic if we will be going back to three substitutes. But he had five. He's got a very, very deep squad. For me, at half-time, it could well have been a go-to-a-back-four then, put another man in the midfield. And maybe it's Sean Mousset try and wrestle back some of that control in the midfield. But I suppose a bit like the, the, the game with Croatia in the World Cup, the game just kept going and going and going. And you knew, you could feel that Italian goal was coming. And as soon as it did, it, it was too late. Yeah, um, and, and you're right there with the old five subs. You kind of do wonder, um, like I know it's obviously still the three um, aside from uh, half time, and then obviously the game yeah. goes on extra time and, and whatever else, you still get those three windows, but it's the amount of players that you can do. You know, you can change half your, your starting team. Um, yeah. And then if it and then if it did go wrong as well, like there's always, like Southgate has shown in, in both the game against Denmark and the game against, um, and, and the final last night against Italy, that he is okay with taking off substitutes obviously took off Grealish Wednesday night took off Henderson last night for the penalties um, so had it gone a little bit awry um, if he had gone to that to that back four and then he's kind of realised oh, right, maybe it didn't work then he still had that off you know, he's shown that he's happy to do that in the tournament so he, he could have easily done that um, I'm sure he'll be you know looking back at it uh, kind of thinking you know could I have done this better? Because he he probably is that type of manager, even after wins, like he kind of thinks back and probably discusses it with his team and has this whole breakdown and, and goes through about where we could have done things differently so that when they do get into this situation again next time, hopefully it is it is different. But as you said there, you know, this this felt like Croatia all over again, too slow to react, let the game get away from you. And you, you thought lessons had been learned from that. You thought that that was okay, that happened once. You're, you're an inexperienced manager. It's your first tournament uh, at international level. But it just it just felt like it happened all over again. And I think that's the one gripe, you know, I know Sean kind of mentioned it, that that throughout the tournament, every single tactical decision that Southgate, every questionable decision that Southgate had made, you know, you think back to that Croatia game, we're all sat there going, why is Trippi playing left back? Brilliant game. Uh, Tyrone Mings, why is he playing centre half after the two friendlies that he had where he was, he was awful? And he played brilliantly and he played brilliantly against Scotland as well. Every single decision up until yesterday that Southgate had made had been spot on, had been perfect. And unfortunately, on the grandest stage of all, uh, and probably at the, the highest risk point of all, it, it, none of them paid off for him yesterday. Um, and it's a shame because we'll all look back at that now and kind of, and, and he'll be, you know, castigated for it. You know, we'll probably all think that he's a, a bad manager now until the next World Cup because of what went wrong. But actually, when you look at it on the whole, the majority, like it, it's the same for every manager. You know, Pep Guardiola throughout the season doesn't get every single decision right at Man City. Um, Normally on the grandest stage of all with him as well. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly, exactly with him. But that's because he probably overthinks it a bit too much and starts yeah. playing like a, a back three with two strikers playing as wing backs. It's like bizarre like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's something that's going to probably stick with him now until you know, like that Croatia game. It's something that's going to stick with him through to the to the next tournament. That kind of this idea that maybe he's not the best manager tactically, even though. But kind of if you look at the tournament on the whole, probably you know did quite well tactically. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's got my vote of, of confidence for for what it's worth, Gareth. If you're listening in, um, <laughs> sure, Sean. Looking at it, then we've reached the semi final of a World Cup on foreign soil. We've reached the final of a major tournament for the first time in 55 years on home soil. There is now plenty to be optimistic about, and hopefully as we all grew up watching England get to quarters and hoping for more, but that was always kind of the limit. There was a glass ceiling above us. Hopefully now we can be a serious international side in these tournaments. We've got that tournament now, now, and we do know how to win knockout games. Definitely. I think a bit of perspective, 
with Safia devastated that England have lost a penalty shootout to win their first to win their first ever European Championship and Gareth Southgate and this team are normalising reaching semi-finals now and finals. You know, if you include the Nations League, it's three semi-finals he's reached now in the last uh, three years. So you like to think that this team, with the, with the talent we've got, with the, the strength and depth we have, the potential there in terms of how many youngsters there are in the, in the camp, that this this could be you know the first of a, well, three or four major tournaments now where they're going to be serious contenders. You've got Harry Kane who. You know, scored four goals in the tournament. Who is arguably the most prolific forward in, in, in world football, particularly the next World Cup. We've got him at his absolute peak. What a chance it's going to be for England! And you know, it hurts now, but at the end of the day, this is this has been you know the first time in twenty five years. I would argue that it really felt that they were contenders. It really felt that they could win. If you know, we were riding that wave of emotion, the same as Euro ninety six. And in my lifetime, I'm twenty six now, and it's never, it's never felt so good. And yes, it hurts that we lost the final, but what an opportunity now to build on, to build on this. We've got a manager there who is, who's made the country believe, who's unified the country, who's got a team who believe in him clearly. Who, you know, he, he's had his derision in the past. He obviously hasn't got the, the greatest managerial CV before he got this job, but what a job he's done. You know, we've, we've had better qualified managers in the past who haven't been able to to get the best out of great England teams. We've had great England teams who are probably better than this England team, even though you know the, the, clearly the, the quality is, is 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 there with this team. But you think about the golden generation who didn't get past the quarterfinal. This this team are normalising success, and you just hope that next time they can take that next step. And yes, it's hard, and yes, it's it's difficult to look past that. This is only the second final <laughs> since nineteen. So sorry, this is the, that was only the first final since nineteen sixty six, and you don't want to dwell on it. That, that could be the, the <laughs> that could have been the, the one. Team. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. But oh, you know, I, I just feel that this this team, are, 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 you know, we, we can get behind this team. This isn't the end, and it feels like you know, there's, there's a journey still to go on. On the Qatar 2022, they've made a brilliant start in the World Cup qualifying group, which you know they're beating Poland at home, and that so that's looking good so far. You know, they're beating the main contender in the group. Fingers crossed, we get there without <laughs> with consummate ease, and let's go on the Qatar 2022. I think we've got a massive chance in that. You know. The youngsters, the likes of Mount Ford and Sancho, they're going to be you know, 18 months better off in terms of experience, in terms of quality, in terms of maturity. Saka as well, you know, the list goes on. England are going to be better in 2022, which is a bit of a frightening prospect for us and a frightening prospect for, for our opponents. So the future's bright. It hurts right now, but I'm so confident. I'm so proud of this England team. I feel like, you know, the, 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 the possibilities are endless for this side. Yeah, well, it, it, just very quickly before we go, Ned, a quick word on the, the player of the tournament, Gigi Donnarumma. I had Jordan Pickford down for goalkeeper of the tournament, but two penalty saves apiece in, in the final for each of them. Of course, Rashford hitting the post. I suppose we, we've got to give it to the Italians. They were great on the day and they've got a uh, goalkeeper who's going to dominate, I should have thought, for the next 15 years, straight off the back of Buffon. Yeah, no, no, he, he is a brilliant goalkeeper, but it's a bit strange that he doesn't even win the Golden Glove. Um yeah. Hey, hi. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how you can give, you know, when it's when it's a goalkeeper and obviously you're judged on clean sheets majority of the time, I'm not sure how you can give, how he can't win the Golden Glove and then win the best player in the tournament. It's a bit of a weird one. And in terms of the Italian side, Sean mentioned him earlier as well about how was so brilliant, um, you know, throughout the tournament. Obviously, it's a shame what happened to Spinazzola um, because he was, he was superb for the Italian as well. Um, and, you know, I'm sure had he stayed fit for the tournament, he really, really would have been in contention um, for it. Um, 
the two centre halves as well. Um, you know, I, I can't remember which commentator it was, but I think they said that that when the pair of them retire, they both need to be taken into the um, you know the, the footballing museum, uh, national football museum, and kind of you know kept almost like as, as taxidermy in a way. You know, kind of as a this is how centre halves do it. You know, because they were both mustered throughout the tournament. Um, yeah, like Donnarumma's had a, had a great competition, but I think there may have been one or two other Italians who who might look at it and be slightly a bit peeved, thinking that should have been me instead. Um, had had England won the tournament, you would have obviously expected one of their players to pick it up. And you know, you know, there's so many names that you could have put forward for that from from an English point of view. Kyle Walker had a great tournament. Luke Shaw, even though he didn't start the first game, really was was superb. Obviously, throughout and the goal in the final capped that for him. Um, you know, Raheem Sterling. Obviously, didn't have his best of games last night, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, throughout the tournament, he was someone that England could call upon. Um, and it sounds strange that the top scorer, you probably even wouldn't put him in England's top scorer, wouldn't even put him in contention to be England's best player because obviously he took those first three games to really find his way into the tournament. But, but as Sean said there, yeah, there are there are positives as well for England going forward. So hopefully we might have an Englishman uh, winning the, uh, the, the player of the tournament at the World Cup in 2022. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you every day here through the course of the Euros on the Euro Digest. From myself, Guy Clark, Ned Keating and Sean McCormick, though, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now.